Yes, hello everybody and welcome once again to The Brink for our second episode, the return to the show that you will supposedly know and love uh, or perhaps discovered recently on the return of us to a podcasting circle and we are here in Melbourne for episode two of the reboot, the 2016 reboot. Very, very exciting and uh, first of all, I shall just take this opportunity to say thank you to everybody who listened to our first episode. We got a lot of good feedback from new and old listeners, people returning to the show after we, of course, have been off air for just over 18 months. Some completely new people who have never heard the show before decided to tune in, and uh, we thank you for all that support. But the new adventure has begun. The uh, next journey of, uh, well, I guess the brink, and uh, in general myself, as, as I said, we're here coming to you from Melbourne, and we've just actually seen the 2016 AFL Grand Final Parade down the streets. It's actually still going on, just making its way to the MCG. 150,000 people line the streets of Melbourne to witness the two competing teams, of course, the Western Bulldogs and the Sydney Swans, taking part in this year's AFL Grand Final. And it has to be said that even standing here right now, watching the crowd disperse, that it is extremely red, white and blue. Very much pro-Bulldogs around the streets of Melbourne. Uh, thought when I first arrived here that it was going to be uh, a bit of a surprise. There's actually quite a fair bit of Sydney colours around, but the more I've actually come into the city, the more I've walked around, there is red, white and blue as far as the eye can see. So I guess a lot of this episode, episode two, will focus on not only the AFL Grand Final, but of course the NRL Grand Final, because not only am I heading to the AFL Grand Final uh, tomorrow at the time of recording this, obviously if you're listening to this, it's after the fact, I don't think you've missed it or anything, uh, the NRL Grand Final also happening on the Sunday in Sydney. So you will hear a bit of highlights from that in this episode. We're also going to pay tribute to the late Max Walker, who sadly passed away throughout the week. Now, Max was uh, a guest on the show a few years ago. He was sort of a long-running impersonation that Sam used to also do as well. So we'll hear a little bit about that throughout this show, but uh, we'll also bring you a few other surprises along the way, but uh, it's very exciting to be here in Melbourne. We're going to actually right now venture down a little bit more to see a little bit more of the action, and uh, we will see what we can bring. And I will also just have a quick shout out as well to our YouTube channel because not only uh, do we have this great podcast up and running again for the brink, but as I mentioned uh, at the end of the other episode that we did the other day, that a YouTube channel would be coming. Now, the first video of which shall be posted online pretty much the same time as this one and you'll be able to see highlights from uh, the AFL Grand Final and also plus an NRL Grand Final. It's post, not post. I don't know actually what that word means. Clearly my uh, pronunciation of words has not improved since I was last on air for the brink. But uh, it's exciting times. It's Melbourne. It's Grand Final weekend for both AFL and NRL and it is episode two of the brink. I think that there is a lot more to come still in this episode. The grand final day is upon us and it is a very wet and blustery Melbourne. Uh, currently at the time of hitting the record button it is just nearly 10 o'clock in the morning and currently walking alongside the Yarra between Federation Square and then venturing down towards the MCG. Now there's plenty of activities happening Obviously in the lead-up to the big game, which is still about four and a half hours away, but I'm going to venture down here to the Foxtel longest kick competition, which is just about to get underway and sort of soak up the atmosphere. But I guess that is what, really, I'm learning a lot about currently because it is all about the atmosphere. That's the key word here. It's uh, quite incredible to experience all this live obviously for those who don't know too much about traditions behind Australian rules football the AFL grand final day and everything else in between it's a big day uh, for Australian sports fans in particular and even if you're not a sports fan it's a sort of a day to come together have barbecue family friends and just have a day out of it so obviously experienced many of those over the years but to actually be here in Melbourne right now to experience this is 
unique just walk through Federation Square where the fans are already flocking there with their colours on. There are people with signs pinned to them begging for tickets. A guy flown in from the UK to uh, try and get a ticket. So, fingers crossed for him. My ticket is safely uh, locked away in my wallet at the moment. So, that's one positive sign. But I can actually see the ground right now. So it's actually very exciting to be able to know that in only a couple of hours time I'm going to be sitting in that MCG watching the biggest sporting event in this country and being part of 100,000 people cheering on the doggies but just being part of such a unique event uh, in person. I'm certainly very much looking forward to it and uh, it's going to be a big, big day. So I've made it, I'm at the MCG right now inside the hallowed ground for AFL Grand Final Day and it's amazing the humanity and niceness of people because a brief explanation, I managed to get a ticket through a friend of mine who is a Swans member. Now he put in two membership numbers in the ballot for me, got two tickets and they were right up sort of the upper tier level of the ground so I ended up selling one to a lady whose dad missed out on a ticket, a mad Western Bulldogs supporter, and uh, I was going to spend the afternoon basically sitting next to this guy. I've gotten to the ground, enjoying a lovely overpriced hamburger outside in the fan zone, get a text message from the lady who I've sold the ticket to, said that her mum also managed to get a ticket, but it's right down the front, and she wants to sit with obviously her husband and this lady's dad so they offered to swap i thought maybe this is a little bit too good to be true and also i felt a little bit guilty felt a little bit bad i said okay that's fine uh so i walked up right up to the top got my exercise for this trip right up the top of tears and then swapped the ticket found my way here and the most incredible seats i'm about uh i'd say a good 30 rows back from the fence on the first tier though uh, I'm just to the left-hand side of the goals, and this is this is beautiful seats. And I cannot thank the lady who sold them to me. Well, swapped them with me enough. This is incredible. So, my experience here at the grand final just got a little bit better, and um, I am hoping that the day turns out even better. Looking forward to a very good match. We're about an hour and a half away from the first bounce. And looking forward to the pre-match entertainment. We're going to see Sting, The Living End, Vance Joy, uh, and everything else that happens in between. So uh, it's going to be definitely fun to see how the rest of this grand final plays out. to the NRL Grand Final for 2016 at ANZ Stadium and as you can tell already I've 
gone to a very close prospect of losing my voice and I haven't even been shouting. The game is still a good two hours away from beginning. Um, this is what happens when you have a head cold, you fly, your ears are completely blocked up and you've only got half your hearing at the moment and somehow your voice slowly goes as well. But we are here watching one of the pre-games at the moment um, where the cutters are absolutely thrashing the Bears in this state championship and we're not here to, of course, see this. We're here to watch the Sharks play the Storm. And I keep saying we because at this time I can actually say that somebody is joining me. If you are a listener of my other shows and I pity you because I feel sorry for you that you had to put up with me for that long, you would know his voice, formerly of Survivor Oz. And for the very first time in person next to me, I am pleased to welcome a man who I'm going to butcher his last name because he just told me how to pronounce it about five times and I'm still going to get it wrong. Jimmy... Okay, Jimmy, uh, welcome to the brink. Thank you, Ben. Uh, how are you doing? How, how's it going? I'm just, I'm just literally laughing at the fact that I went completely blank on, on the pronunciation. Can we give us a pronunciation of your last name? Make me feel like I'm not that much of an idiot. It's pretty easy to pronounce. It's uh, Kenny Arwen. Kenny Arwen. That's it. Yep, yep. Yep. See, if I was a professional podcast host, I would go back and edit that to make it sound like I never stuffed up. I don't give a shit. That's why you didn't hear any difference. But uh, how, how are you going? How are you feeling? You're at your second ever NRL Grand Final. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, go- I'm doing good. Um, just want to ask you a question, Ben. What do you think about this, this stadium here? It's probably about three quarters full. The atmosphere's building. What do you think? It's um, it's interesting. I don't know who is that walking in front of the Storm fans right now. Is that Billy Slater? Is it on? Thinking maybe or uh, yes, yeah, that's Billy Slater. Is uh, probably regarded as one, probably one of the dirtiest players in the NRL. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. I, and I come from Tasmania, where I thought Billy Slater was highly regarded, but obviously we're close to Melbourne, so we get positive news. Um, yeah, this is a great stadium. It's the very first time I've ever I've ever been to ANZ Stadium, uh, Stadium Australia, or whatever you want to call it, Telstra Stadium. Um, and yeah, obviously know a lot about this, having grown up watching the Olympics and seeing plenty of other events here. But um, it's it's I guess. It's bigger when you're on the inside than it looks on the outside, if that makes sense. But as I was kind of saying to you a second ago, it's... I mean, this only holds 20,000 less than the MCG, but it feels a lot smaller. The MCG, are you calling one here? Oh! Into touch. Just put a foot into touch. No try? No try, no try. No try. All right. Could have been a bit of live commentary there. But, um, I mean, it's nice. You've obviously been here quite a lot. Uh, Yes, this is... Last time I was here was at the uh, college game between the Hawaii Warriors and the Cal Bears. And that uh, drew a capacity crowd of 60,000, so yeah, three quarters full, not too bad. And is it a a highly liked stadium in Sydney, or do people not like coming here? I guess it's a bit of both. It's uh, pretty, it's a bitch to get out here, you've got to catch two trains. So most people prefer to drive out here, park on the street and easy walk to the stadium. Like we did. Yeah, that's right, yep. Now we spent the afternoon, of course, uh, chilling. We actually went to Cronulla and uh, saw it out there and drove past the, the league's club, the stadium, uh, and everywhere we went was just blue, black and white. They've painted the town in the Sharks' colours. Probably about 85 to 90% of everybody we've seen here tonight is wearing Cronulla clothes. Um, I mean... It's, it's quite incredible um, to, to think that's what I thought yesterday. There was a big support for the doggies, but there was a lot more Sydney people there compared to Melbourne people here, so it's, it's incredible. Oh, that reminded me of yesterday's great. Oh, that's right. So you're a Sydney supporter. Sorry about that. I'm still crying. I got the, I got the tissues out. He does, actually. When he picked me up, he sort of had the glasses on and was like, no, Ben, sorry, I can't talk about you. You're a manly supporter, so you came here a few years ago where sadly they lost. So, I mean, hopefully you're going to be here tonight supporting a winning team. Uh, yep, um, supporting the Cronulla Sharks. Uh, I've got the New South Wales jersey on, so yeah, it's pretty close to the Cronulla colours. Now, without sort of putting your heart into it, do you think they can actually win? Uh, they got us shut down. Oh, the key players they got us shut down on Melbourne side is Cameron Smith and Cooper Cronk. If they... I love that guy's name. <laughs> Cooper Cronk. It's the, best, it's the best name. It's just such an, a sporting name. <laughs> Cooper Cronk. <laughs> yeah, uh, no comment on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so basically shut them down, they win the premiership. Yeah, uh, they got to score early. they just got to um, get their defence right. So, yeah, 
if they do that in the first 10 minutes, I think they'll be in with a chance. Now, would you have any other tips for me heading into this game as somebody who's only really been to two NRL games? One was a practice match. The other one was a Storm game earlier this year at Amy Park. Any tips for supporting an NRL team in Sydney that I should know about going into this? Uh, I can probably convince you to be a manly supporter. No, no, no. I, I mean a smart decision, Jimmy. A smart decision. I don't know. If, if you want to go for the yuppie side, probably the Roosters. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, anyone but the Bulldogs, because their fans are pretty, are pretty uh, violent in the games. Uh, so, yeah, what, what, are, what are Cronulla fans generally revered as in terms of their reputation? Uh, they're pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good? Yeah, they're pretty good. No, no, no trouble there. So. so they don't cause any riots or anything? or. No. Uh, Phew. That was a long time ago now. Yeah, yeah, that's a long time ago. Right, well, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, still a couple hours away, but obviously we're going to hear a bit of the atmosphere and a, no, possibly a try here, no? All right. Um, and hopefully when you hear from me properly next, maybe my voice will be completely gone because we'll be celebrating a premiership. So uh, go Sharks. Go Sharkies.
as we put the excitement of both those grand finals behind us and you hear the lovely sounding me with my voice still recovering from a couple of epic days of screaming and a couple of epic days of blocked ears and head congestion. It's a perfect opportunity to head into your favourite new segment... Well, this is news. That is right. The new segment in which you learn about news that you might not have known is news, but it is actually news. And these stories, I will say, are all 100% completely true and not made up by myself, Ben Waterworth, here on the brink. Uh, our first one, speaking of exciting now, uh, I should warn people listening to this that if you don't like words that are offensive, such as fuck and shit, then you probably shouldn't listen to this next story because it may contain naughty words. Our first story comes from our good friends over at news.com.au. Somebody has done a ranking survey of the most common curse words from most to least offensive. So these are basically the words that they're saying can offend you the most or offend you the least. Ofcom, which is a TV regulator in the UK, uh, interviewed more than 200 people across the country and asked them to rank each word as either mild, medium, strong or strongest. Now, I'm not going to go through all of these because clearly some of these words I don't even want to say on air. But, uh, for example, some mild words. These are words that only mildly offend include ass, bloody, bugger, cow, apparently that's uh, mildly offensive, crap, damn, ginger, god, goddamn, Jesus Christ, minger, old bag, sod off, and tart. There you go. If you didn't know uh, English curse words uh, from the UK, then you're learning a few here. Medium offensive words include asshole, balls, bitch, bollocks, bullshit, feck, mana, manta, sorry, pissed off, shit, son of a bitch, and tits. Uh, then we move into the strong category. You can only imagine where this is going. Um, I'm not, I don't think I'll say all of these. Maybe I will stuff it. Uh, bastard, beaver, cock, dick, dickhead, minge, prick, pussy, skank, slut, tranny, twat, wanker, and whore. And the strongest, um, <laughs> well, there's only three here. And uh, let's just say one of them is fuck. Um, one of them is a C word. I don't think I'll... Uh, resort to using the C word in only the second episode of The Brink, and um, Mother F.R., so there you go, the strongest one. Um, wow, I really have possibly jumped the shark in already the second episode of this podcast. You thought all the grand final stuff uh, might have been tedious, and now you're hearing my voice, but uh, there you go. Uh, the study found that viewers have generally become less tolerant of racist and discriminatory language on television, with many arguing that racial slurs should never be broadcast. So there's a whole bunch here uh, when it comes to racist words, um, derogatory terms regarding sexual orientation, and um, yeah, very interesting. And uh, this article, though, is, is quick to point out that uh, surely these words would differ in Australia. So perhaps if you're listening to this and you have some suggestions of some words that uh, maybe would be more offensive in this country, if you're listening in America or somewhere else in the world, uh, let us know your words that you find a mild, strong and strongest um, and perhaps if you didn't know any of those words, you're going to be using them a lot for the rest of the day. So thank you, news.com.au. Uh, still with news.com.au, this one uh, is very interesting. A man has successfully sued Domino's Pizza for a pizza that he never received. Tim Driscoll, 30, went online on Anzac Day last year and ordered three pizzas, a meat lovers, a vegetarian and a Hawaiian as well as two garlic breads and uh, waited and waited. An hour later, didn't receive them so he rang up his local Domino's, spoke to the manager, the manager apologised, said the store had been inundated with orders and that his money would be refunded. 18 months later, he still hasn't gotten his money back. So, Instead of just letting it go, going on Facebook, complaining a little bit, he's actually taken Domino's to court. And according to the Daily Telegraph, Domino's has been ordered to pay him a total of $1,203.27. And he's also now gone to the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission to take further action against the pizza giant for breaching consumer laws. Now, um, I do have to laugh the fact that on 
this website where they're talking about the story. They've got a photo of Tim Driscoll with a pizza outside a Domino's store. So he's obviously had to go in there. The photographer said, hey, go and get a pizza. We'll, you know, take this photo. This will send a message. And then he stood out there with this, you know, piping hot pizza. Probably everyone in Domino's had no idea who he was. In fact, this cost his company $1,203.27. And uh, apparently now, too, Domino's are now uh, basically saying, no, we don't want to pay this. So they're going to protest the result and uh, going to apply to have the judgment overturned. So there you go. If you're perhaps still waiting on a pizza 18 months later, sue them. You'll get $1,200, So, which I guess is a quite a hefty return on what you originally paid for the pizza. Uh, let's move on from news.com today, you, and we're going to head now to the lovely Huffington Post. And uh, a lovely story here. The Norwegian Prime Minister Ernest Solberg this week was caught out playing Pokemon Go. Uh, now, this is in the middle of Parliament, a uh, heated debate at the Storting, which is Norway, Norway's Parliament, and, um, yes, they've snapped to playing it. They've published it all in the newspaper and uh, caused a bit of controversy. But apparently it's not the first time Solberg has uh, been caught with her love of Pokemon Go. Back in August, she took some time off from a state visit to Slovakia to hunt for Pokemon on the streets of Bratislava, according to the local.no. Um, but apparently this is, again, the norm. A lot of people in Norway's parliament have uh, been playing Pokemon Go, and, um, yeah, very interesting. I'd love to see how that would turn out if uh, Malcolm Turnbull, Bill Shorten caught playing Pokemon Go. I think there would be a little bit uh, a little bit more controversy. But I love the fact that she was uh, caught playing it whilst on a state visit to Slovakia. So uh, even our world leaders love playing a bit of Pokemon Go in their spare time. I said we were done with news.com today. You, I lied. We're going back there now uh, because a lovely story here about uh, protesters who are planning to moon the Parliament House of Victoria to show disgust and devastation over amended state laws that prohibit the cheeky practice of mooning in public. So those who dare to bear their bottoms in public can face up to six months in jail with new laws to introduce ban mooning in the state of Victoria. Now, it was previously punishable under other laws, but now is banned under specific legislation, and the amendment was one of more than 50 crimes included in an overhaul of sexual offence laws and has prompted widespread criticism. A Facebook page, of course, of course it would be, has been set up called Moon the Parliament House of Victoria and was launched last week with calls to band locals together and flash Parliament after the next full moon to show disgust and devastation of the new law. Now, Victoria Police responded on the page within hours of this launch and they wrote a message saying hi this is victoria police the only moon we want to see on parliament house is the eight day old moon in the october lunar cycle we suggest keeping your pants on and shut this page down or potentially risk criminal charges and uh, somebody replied straight away saying moon on people somebody else replied bert newton isn't allowed to show his face in public uh, wow, interesting. Um, I mean, that's quite a very outlandish law uh, to ban mooning. Um, I mean, look, if you want to moon, moon. Why not? Uh, I reckon go and do it. Probably might be a little bit of fun. So anyway, if you're listening to us in Victoria, keep your pants on. You're not allowed to moon anyone, apparently. Bert Newton, that's, that's a good one. I like it. Cameron Mooney. Perhaps, not sure if he's still in Geelong, flashing his bum. Um, bad jokes, Ben. Move on. Final one here, news.com.au. Once again, we've gone four out of five with them, and that's just not generally their shit news stories. One man's bold attempt to encourage Londoners to strike up conversations on the notorious quiet tube has ended up in a resounding nope online. Colorado man Jonathan Dunn, who has lived in London since 1996, said he was inspired to start something new after trying to organise a social event at work during the Rio Olympics. Now he said, we tried to run an event to coincide with the Olympics and nobody really participated. It made me think of how isolated life in London can be, he told Glamour. The reaction inspired him to print and hand out 500 badges on the underground in official fonts and colours with the question, 
tube chat question mark it was attached to a leaflet saying have a chat to your fellow travelers wear this badge to let them know you're interested you'll benefit from a daily chat start using it today he tried to use it uh constantly pass them off to commuters but was overwhelmingly rejected and uh, basically told to sod off he turned around and said i thought it would be a lot of fun to conflict with what people normally do i thought it would be fun to hand them out it wasn't fun. I thought people would be like, that's funny, or I hate that and have a conversation about it. But that's not what people do when they leave trains. I didn't really think this thing, whole thing, I did not think out at well. So um, basically, people in London who want to catch the train don't want to talk. So um, they've actually gone out and made their own badges uh, saying, don't even think about talking to me, hashtag tube chat. Incredible. Didn't even realise that, that uh, people are that uh, anti-talking. Well, good on him for trying. If this was fail or no fail, back in the day when we sit on the brink, I'd give him a no fail for attempting it. But uh, this isn't fail or no fail. This is a completely different segment, so I can't even turn around and say whether it's a fail or no fail. But there you go. That's uh, another segment done and dusted. We hope you enjoyed it. And, uh, of course, we will be back next episode with another episode or edition of Wow. This is news, fade out music. Sadly, since our last episode, another one of our former guests tragically passed away. In our very first episode, of course, we paid tribute to a very good friend of ours, Tim Franklin, who had uh, left us since we last did an episode back in January 2015. But since episode one, another good friend of ours, uh, sadly, no longer with us. I do, of course, speak of the late, great Max Walker, former test cricketer, VFL footballer, and uh, generally a good bloke, very much uh, loved right across Australia in sporting circles. Now, a bit of a background when it came to getting him on the show. Uh, Sam, our former co-host, absolutely loved the man and could pull off a fairly mean impersonation of Max. Uh, so much so, I think we might just have time to hear a little bit of a clip of how well Sam pulled off a Max Walker impersonation. Well, we should bring him on now. Uh Fake Max Walker, welcome to the show. Yes, uh, welcome, welcome back to the brink, everybody. Uh, Max Walker, it's uh, very nice to meet you. It is, yeah, Maxie. It's lovely to be <laughs> here in your presence. <laughs> yes, and uh, you enjoying that coffee there, Max? Oh, it's um, yes. The tide's still in at this stage, so we've got five eights to go. Yes, and uh, do you think that uh, Max, that I actually uh, make a convincing impersonation of Max Walker? I think I need to hear your kidneys rattle a bit more. You're, you're nearly there. I mean, you're somewhere around about the bottom rib at the moment, but if you can get those kidneys running around, and then when you really go guttural deep, it's about ankles. <laughs> yes, a bit deeper. Yes, yes, uh, a bit deeper, do you think, Max? Yeah, but you've got to use some other words as well as just yes. Well, actually, Max, my, my Max uh, doesn't say much more than yes. You see, well, yeah, amazing. You give yourself another 20 years of doing this and, and you'll be, the whole paragraphs will just tumble out. So, Max, given that you're talking about your own Max Walker impersonations, can you give us one? Um, yeah, I think there's a big crowd in today. Thank you very much, uh, Richie. We, we've got um, a little wind shift across the... Joel Garner, there he is. Huge, massive man, right arm over... Not quite left ear roll, but the bounce. Look at the bounce. Oh, you got him. Thank you very much. <laughs> very, very good. That's better than I could ever do, Max. Uh, absolutely brilliant stuff. Sounds like an absolute spitting image of the man himself. But, of course, whenever we do an impersonation or we get excited about having some people on the show, we have to try and get them on the show. So that's exactly what we went out and did. We tried our very best to get Max on the show. And uh, luckily for us, his management were extremely forthcoming, very, very helpful. And rather than go all out for a phone interview, his management basically said to us, like, look, Max, he's Tasmanian. He loves his home state. He often visits. So let's wait until he comes to Tasmania next time. So we got excited. And lo and behold, a couple of months after our request, get the phone call. Max is coming to Tassie where he would love to do an interview with you. So this was back in 2012. 
uh, when myself, Sam and Josh were the co-hosts of the program. Now, I unfortunately, on the day that we had recording, could not attend the interview. I had another commitment in Melbourne, so therefore I was unable to attend. That left Sam and Josh to go out and do the interview themselves. Now, a bit of a background about this interview, uh, which was uh, certainly made for great uh, storytelling in the future. He had an engagement at the Sandy Bay Yacht Club. I think he was doing a luncheon or some sort of guest speaking. So his management said, pick Max up from the Sandy Bay Yacht Club, take him to the airport, and therefore you can, of course, have the interview. At the end of the day, he's getting a free trip to the airport. Why not? Sam and Josh did not mind. Sam happily obliged, picked up the great Max Walker, drove him to the Hobart International Airport, sat down, had a coffee with him, had a great interview with him, and it's still a story to this day that Sam loves to tell the fact that he drove Max Walker to the airport. And we thought that what perfect way to honour the man himself, the late great Max Walker, by playing you a clip from our interview we had with him back in 2012. It is The Brink on Edge Radio 99.3 and joining us is a very, very special guest. His name is Max Walker. And uh, Max, thank you very, very much uh, for your time. We really appreciate it. Uh, welcome to the show. Great to be on The Brink, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed it is. And, well, Max, I guess we might as well start from the beginning. Uh, you were born and raised in Tasmania. Uh, but eventually moved to uh, Victoria to pursue your uh, VFL, as it was then, football career. Uh, do you still consider yourself to be a Tasmanian? And if so, is it important to you uh, to, to be a Tasmanian? Yeah, always a Tasmanian. Never never take um, the, the Tasmanian out of the boy, even though I'm a quite shy, unassuming guy. Once you get to 29 or my age, you get a bit of white hair and, um, and the world looks a little different, but that's a, a beautiful perspective. Now, when Tasmania was a, a wonderful place to grow up, I got a lot of fond memories of, of going to school at Friends, a, a Quaker school, and then growing up in the backyard of what was then the Empire Hotel, corner of Burnett and Elizabeth Street, and now it's a really flash one. Republic, gosh, um, yes. how different you know, can a hotel get, just a beer-drinking hotel to now the cappuccino machines, the beer garden, and I guess um, they'll mix you up any drink you like. In fact, I... I launched my last book there, Caps, Hats and Helmets, from the front bar of the, oh, em- the Empire Hotel. Yes, yes. And you went to school with my uncle, uh, who, Uncle Duck. Yeah, Ducky Martin. Um, uncle Duck was a, an opening batter, dour opening batter, good leg glance, pushed the odd one through the covers and um, <laughs> didn't have quite enough bottom hand for the slog through mid-wicket and um, used to occasionally nick the... A little out he threw to the keeper and um, come off the ground shaking his head or his tail feathers, whatever way you want to look at it. So an average opening batsman then? No, real good ordinary player. No, better than that. (laughs) I've been doing a little bit of research on on your cricket career and one of the things I found, which I actually got a bit of a giggle from, is your nickname, Tangles. What's your view on that? Do you like that nickname? Well, it could be Ducky, um, <laughs> I guess, for nickname. I, I got lucky, uh, I suppose, when the nicknames were, were coming out. A lot of people ask the question, how did you win a name like that? Actually, it was before my first Sheffield Shield match. The Sun newspaper in Melbourne had a half-page photograph of me from the kneecaps down with the legs crossed at the point of delivery and a little inset 25mm square headshot. So the kneecaps and, and the ankles and the, and the cricket boots were more important than my face, I guess. Melbourne's tangle-footed bowler about to play first shield match. Then that uh, became uh, tangle foot and then, then tangles. But r- bowl right arm over left ear roll, legs crossed at the point of delivery, very 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 difficult to be good looking and pretty on your feet but but Josh you and I know biomechanically perfect mate Um, who broke down the guys with a good action Dennis Hill had a crook back didn't he look at me fine specimen of a man now (laughs) it's an absolute honour to have him on the show and on a side note as I mentioned I was unable to attend that interview but uh, I was actually about to board a plane in Melbourne my phone rings didn't know the number but I still answered it 
answer the phone, it was Max Walker. He called up to say he wished I was there for the interview and that uh, he hoped that one day he would get the chance to meet me in person and come back and do the interview in studio for another time. Sadly, never happened, but uh, obviously we... Uh, pass on our well wishes to Max's family and all the fans of Max out there. Certainly a true legend of Australia, and uh, he, of course, is sorely missed. The 2016 ARIA nominations were released during the week, and big news for Tasmanian Music. The Wolf Brothers nominated for Best Country Album for their third album, This Crazy Life, and, of course, very good friends of ours here on the show. We've had them on multiple times. Tom Wolf, of course, I believe he was uh, the second or third most frequent guest on our program, and uh, actually guest-hosted an episode of our show a couple of years ago, and their very first ARIA nomination, huge news for them, and very, very exciting. Of course, that album that I mentioned, This Crazy Life, went to number one on the iTunes country music charts and doing great guns right across Australia. Just returned from a tour of the US as well, so they're still definitely taking on the world, and we thought it would be a perfect opportunity to have a bit of a music break here on the second episode of The Brink. Let's go back a few years and listen to the Wolf Brothers perform way up live on the brink and uh, definitely once again congratulations to the boys on the aria nomination i don't want to wake up this morning i don't want to wake up this morning got a dream in my head as i'm lying in my bed i don't want to wake up this morning I don't want to start up a new day I don't want to start up a new day I'm feeling so right In the arms of the night I don't want to start up a new day I don't want to open my tired eyes I don't want to open my tired eyes Cause then you'll be gone so in my song, I don't want to open my tight eyes But the sunshine at my window Well, it holds no warmth on me And all day long I'm waiting For the night to set me free Cause when I close my eyes See your smiling face in front of me is dawning. I don't want to wake up this morning I tried my best just to move on I kept on humming that old song And it just never ends It's bad there again But I tried my best just to move on People talking about me they're all starting to doubt me Cause I can't find a way To get through the day There's people talking about me But the sunshine at my window With a horse no one for me And all day long I'm waiting For the night to set me free when I close my eyes and see your smiling face in front of me When you day is dawning Yeah, I don't want to wake up this morning And the sunshine at my window Well, it holds no one for me And all day long I'm waiting For the night to set me free Cause when I close my eyes See your smiling face in front of me Jesus, darling Yeah, I don't wanna wake up this morning
Last week we debuted a brand new segment called Flashback, where we went back in time and heard a classic memory of the brink. Now, we sort of cheated a little bit last time by playing two flashbacks with our Tim Franklin tribute, and then, of course, our flashback segment. We're going to do it again this week because, uh, well, we like to play memories of the show. Now, we heard from Max, of course, just before, but uh, let's hit this button right now and get a bit of an intro. This is like a going to now play another classic Brink moment and one of probably the best things we were remembered for. Back in 2011 we ran a campaign to get the then Prime Minister of Australia, Julia Gillard, on this program. Now we ran it for several weeks, we put a lot out there on the internet, we started a Facebook page, we bombarded the Prime Minister's office with emails and messages, we created these photoshopped images of myself and Julia enjoying everything from a lovely game of tennis to basically flipping the bird to Kevin Rudd to even skydiving and then it all coincided with us creating International Julia Gillard Day where we encouraged people on Facebook to change their profile picture to one of Julia Gillard to help us spread the word out there that the Brink wanted the Prime Minister on the radio in Tasmania on a community station as small as Edge and lo and behold with a little bit of elbow grease and a bit of hard work the phone call came on a Thursday night said yep we have the Prime Minister she'll be able to talk to you tomorrow morning. This is that chat that followed with the then Prime Minister of Australia and the only time a sitting Prime Minister appeared on the brink, Julia Gillard. Let's listen to that now. Edge Radio 99.3 FM, it is the brink. Friday the 1st of July 2011 and after months of campaigning, it is with great pleasure that I may now introduce the biggest guest ever to appear right here on Edge Radio in our eight years on air. She is the 27th and current Prime Minister of Australia. Please welcome to the brink, Julia Gillard. Prime Minister, thank you so much for your time this morning. Good morning. I was intending to skydive in, but got a little bit scared at the last moment. So I'm on the phone instead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, we can get you to skydive in at a later date. That would be a magnificent (laughs) entry. I'm sure sure you and you've seen the pictures of us skydiving together, Julia. I have seen the pictures of us skydiving together. I'm worried I look a little bit of a funny colour, but maybe I would if I was skydiving, look a bit green around the gills. (laughs) Well, look, you know, we'll try that out next time we have a chat then, and we'll see what colour you really do turn. How does that <laughs> I think uh, very, very pale would probably be the answer. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, I must admit, Prime Minister, that after our campaign to get you on this show, I actually now have an understanding as to what you politicians go through in an election campaign, and you guys really are a strong type of person. <laughs> you do have to be a strong type of person. Got to have a focus on the nation's future and got to be able to push through a fair bit of work every day. So I do that. But, uh, you know... Getting an occasional moment out for a bit of fun is a good thing too. And, of course, you mentioned briefly too before about our International Julia Gillard Day. Now, we had that a few weeks ago, uh, and I'm telling you now that if the support for International Julia Gillard Day is anything to go by, you will remain Prime Minister for at least the next 10 years. <laughs> well, that's uh, nice to hear. I've, uh, you know, been a bit blown away about having an International Day named after me. That's amazing. So thank you for starting that off. <laughs> all, the, all the best people in the world, Prime Minister, have to have the day named after them. So you just join an elite few that actually have that (laughs) honour. That honour in Hobart. Thank you. (laughs) Exactly. Now, look, in the short amount of time we do have this morning with you, uh, we're trying to keep things a little bit away from the world of politics. But, uh, look, if you were to go back a year ago and, uh, you know, everything that happened with you becoming Prime Minister did not happen, would you maybe sort of go back on things and get out of the world of politics and try and be, you know, remain a lawyer or go and do something like a teacher, that avoid it altogether? Oh, absolutely not. No, this is a fantastic privilege uh, to be Prime Minister of this country and it gives you a remarkable opportunity to shape the future and to make sure Australia's a better nation. So I enjoy doing that every day, full of enthusiasm for it. And uh, look, as I said, keeping things a little bit uh, non-political this morning, your beloved Bulldogs Prime Minister, they're not doing too well this year. Can they they pull things 
things together and, and make the finals. What do you think? Well, it has been a tough old period. I'm actually going to be at the Bulldogs later today. They're having a citizenship ceremony. So I'm going to be welcoming some new Australian citizens as well as wishing my Bulldogs well. Uh, we've uh, been a little bit in the wars, but you've got to take it a game at a time, keep your focus and see what we can do for the rest of the season. Do you try and work your schedule around their game? So you're trying to spare a couple of hours every week to actually sit down and watch them play? It doesn't work like that, unfortunately. I'd love it if it did, uh, but the pressures of work mean I miss a lot of games and don't get to watch them. But when I do get to go, it's fantastic. And last year there was a game you went to. You're walking off the field arm in arm, basically, with Barry Hall. What were you guys talking about? (laughs) Uh, Talking about football rather than politics. (laughs) That must have been a nice change then. It was a good change. Got to kiss Barry Hall. What's not to like? Oh, look, that's something that you put up there. And when the day comes and you retire, that will be in your wallet forever, won't it? (laughs) That's right. And I've even got the photo. So I'll have the moment moment for all time. Absolutely. Now, look, before we wrap things up, Prime Minister, we're going to ask you a set of five questions we do like to ask our guests really quickly. But I just also want to ask, too, given we are a youth station here in Hobart, we have a lot of young, impressionable listeners listening to this right now. If they're trying to work out what they want to do in life when they grow up, would you recommend the role of Prime Minister to them? I certainly would. If that's your passion, a passion for change, a passion for leadership and shaping our country's future, it's the job for you. And they can move things forward, can't they? Uh, They certainly can. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we'll wrap it up with a set of five questions. It'll be really quick as we realise that you kind of have a country to run, so we can't waste time asking silly little questions to the Prime Minister of Australia. Uh, Prime Minister, first question to you, what is your favourite type of cheese? Oh, favourite type of cheese. I love all sorts of cheese, but I particularly like soft ones like camembert and brie. So they have the Prime Ministerial approval there? They do indeed. (laughs) All right. Uh, Question number two. Prime Minister Julie Gillard, are you a folder or a scruncher? (laughs) I think some things the Prime Minister shouldn't talk about on the radio. Oh, we can't get a scoop, not at all. No, no. No scoop, sorry. Oh, no comment. <laughs> uh, question number three. Uh, when you're growing up, who was the celebrity crush? Who were the posters on Julia Gillard's wall? Oh, look, it's so long ago. This is going to be embarrassing, but it was people like David Essex. <laughs> you probably don't even remember I, I, who I, he I was. Don't, don't, he wasn't around when I was young, but I do know who David Essex is, and I'm sure a few of our listeners do. Yeah, and it was the days, you know, where Skyhooks and, uh, you know, bands like that were ruling the Australian scene. So uh, all of the Australian bands, but... Give a crush on David Essex. Oh, I'm sure if he's listening, then, uh, you know. Uh, question number four. Yeah. Uh, when you were also growing up, what was the dream job? A uh, dream job when I was uh, growing up was a, being a teacher. That was my first vision of what I wanted to do. Uh, and then in my uh, late years in high school, I uh, decided I'd try law uh, and was a lawyer for a period of time, but I never quite imagined doing this, what I'm doing now. <laughs> well, I'm telling you now, you were kind of teaching the people of Australia how to move forward, as I said, so you sort of are a teacher, <laughs> aren't you? Yeah, some of those skills probably come in handy. <laughs> <laughs> and the final question this morning, Julie Gillard, Prime Minister of Australia, who let the dogs out? <laughs> who let the dogs out? Mm. Well, I... Uh, Hopefully the dogs go out this weekend full of fight. <laughs> and they beat. They have a big win over Melbourne tonight. Well, Prime Minister, thank you so much for your time here on the Brink and Edge Radio. Fantastic to have a chat with you. Good luck for the rest of the year, and hopefully we will speak to you again in the not-too-distant future. Uh, thank you very much, and thank you for International Julia Gillard Day. Now, of course, we did go on to interview two other Prime Ministers, uh, a former Prime Minister in Kevin Rudd, and, of course, a future Prime Minister in Tony Abbott. But uh, that would have been the only time in the history of the Brink, and it's radio too, that a sitting Prime Minister appeared in the form of an interview. A lot of fun. And uh, I actually had the opportunity of meeting the uh, Prime Minister about a month or so after that interview at an event in Hobart. And uh, once I introduced myself and told her who I was, she promptly remembered me and had a bit of a laugh about the whole situation. So uh, there you go. That was uh, easily one of the biggest interviews we ever had on the show, the day that the Brink got the Prime Minister of Australia to appear on Edge Radio. Now as we get ready to draw episode 
to to a close, I uh, just wanted to take an opportunity for uh, a thank you, really, for all the uh, feedback. I sort of loosely mentioned it at the beginning of this episode in terms of uh, the great downloads and the feedback that we got. Um, I will say we got close to 3,000 downloads of our first episode, which was absolutely uh, above what we expected. And I want to thank every single one of you uh, from right around the world who uh, managed to download. Now, uh, it wasn't just from Australia or Tasmania that we got uh, downloads from. We had listeners in America, Canada, uh, France, all the way over there, Italy, the United Kingdom, New Zealand, uh, Japan, South Africa of all places. Even had downloaders from Kenya, Somalia, Cameroon, Brazil, Chile, India, and uh, right over to Thailand and even to the beautiful country of the Ukraine. So to all of those who downloaded or listened to us, thank you so much. And uh, we hope that you are subscribing, of course, to our show, staying up to date. Obviously, there's been a bit of a delay in terms of getting this second episode to you. Uh, the fact that my voice, even though it sounds horrible right now, literally wasn't even here four days ago. So that's essentially how bad it was. And I'm pushing through enough right now for you to be able to hear my voice. So just subscribe. We are now officially on iTunes. Head to iTunes. Search for The Brink. Subscribe. You'll have episodes direct to your device wherever you are in the world. Easiest way. Or, of course, you can head to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Brink Radio Show. Find our subscription link on that page. And if you use another service, perhaps if you don't use iTunes, you can easily subscribe to it there. Big thanks to our server hoster at Wooshka. They are fantastic and help us provide a service to you in order to give you these episodes. So if you are a podcaster out there and uh, perhaps looking to start up a podcast or perhaps find somewhere else to host your files, uh, head to wooshka.com and uh, they will be able to help you out there. They're certainly very hands-on in what they do in able to uh, help you out. Both Jono and Rob over there at Wooshka do a great job helping out. So a big shout-out goes to them and uh yes we will be back with episode three what will come from episode three not too sure currently of course here in sydney beautiful sydney and uh heading to new zealand in only a few days so i will be staying with uh former oslet from survivor oz nook chester and uh, I was actually not a former Oslet, still a current Oslet, never lost his job, but obviously with Survivor Oz basically not existing. I guess technically he's a former Oslet, but uh, looking forward to a lot of insight from Nook, and uh, we'll have some other special guests along the way. Going to bring you a bit of New Zealand culture and uh, perhaps bring you a couple of episodes from the land of the long white cloud, because I definitely feel I can bring a lot of content more so than just in one episode. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, head to YouTube as well, links on our Facebook page. We've got our first video up there looking at the grand final weekend and we'll have more videos coming along the way as we keep going facebook.com forward slash the brink radio show as i keep mentioning and if you're interested in me and you want to know a little bit more about my personal journey you can follow my personal blog that is at benjaminternational.wordpress.com benjaminternational.wordpress.com that's actually uh makes more sense when i say it properly like that but uh, I just quickly, before uh, we fade out to black and uh, celebrate the end of episode two, the end of uh, episode one, we, of course, obviously talked up a little bit in regards to the AFL Grand Final, gave a bit of a preview, played the Doggies and the Swan Song. Congratulations to the Doggies again. I've got to point that out there. Uh, obviously, you heard highlights from that before. Didn't really get a chance too much to talk about that experience. Read that on my blog and you'll find out there. But I need to be a little bit personal here and turn around and play this song. The Mighty Sharks, Cronulla winning their first premiership in 50 years of existence. It was an incredible experience. You've heard reactions from before, seen reactions online, and the fact that I was at that ground to see them win it 
will always live with me forever. So go the Mighty Sharks, NRL champions for 2016. I'm still smiling even thinking about it right now. And uh, let's hear a little bit more of this. clubs had songs you do now that is Cronulla's and you should learn it because they are the premiers and they are awesome this has been the brink episode two of the podcast it's a pleasure coming to you once again direct here from Sydney and of course from Melbourne until episode three thank you for your company keep sucking those oranges internet podcast world and Hobart and good night good night